Welcome to Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, and I'm along with my co-host, Tyler. Tyler, we just witnessed probably the craziest game for the Detroit oh Lions. Oh, my God. Like, at one point, I was like, man, they're going to lose this stuff. They're going to lose this today. They're going to, like, everything that they worked for, they're going to ruin it. And then, boom, Brock Wright. The last person I expect to, you know, get Oh, after he dropped a wide open first down. Right, the guy, the guy who dropped a, a wide open like cat he had a catch right there no one around him he drops him like oh my god and then when you see brock right going down the sidelines and then he kind of wiggles around to get to the touchdown like i'm like holy first shit. off the play that the play started at fourth and inches and all of a sudden i see jared goff uh rolling out of the pocket and i'm like oh christ oh boy <laughs> i'm like oh Oh, dude, and then I just, like, walk, dude, and just the throw and right to Brock, and I'm like, please. And it's like he almost sort of looked like he kind of, like, caught it with the tops of his fingers, too. Yeah, floated out there. I'm like, dude, I'm like, please. And then he calls it. I'm like, oh, my God, okay, at least he got the first down. And then he keeps going, and I'm like, oh, shit, man. You know, and then he takes out down the sidelines for a 40-yard touchdown, man, to put us up. But one thing you don't want to start off with is – Jared Goff rolling out on fourth down. That's it's not a good start. Well, especially against that defense. I mean, that let's be honest. Like people, I thought were, I didn't think they realized how good the Jets defense is. Because like you, you hear people on the Detroit Lions News Facebook page, they were like, "Oh man, we ain't moving the ball." Like, listen, I knew that at some point the the a defense would challenge the Lions. At, yeah, at, the Lions are gonna they're gonna come down to earth in terms of their scoring. Well, not only that, but when you play a good defense, they're gonna they're gonna make you work for it, and that's exactly what the Jets did today. I mean, they held the Lions to 107 rushing yards and 3.8 per rush. I mean, that's not good at all, according to our standards. But man, like even Jared Goff was a little bit off. But this was a game that if you are a different football team, you win. That's that's basically what it comes down to. Well, I mean, no, definitely. I mean. The SOL Lions, man, we would have we would have crumbled. Um, these guys are different. They're they like you said, they got a lot of grit and resiliency. The thing that I see, man, it's like, by the way, what third or fourth road win for Dan? Yeah, fourth. Yeah, third. Um, and it's like you know, so like first off, yeah, you're right. You you find a the, the do you find a way to grit out a win? I seriously can't even. No, I can. We won this game pretty – like, I'll give our special teams most of the credit for winning this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, Khalif Raymond with a with a punt return touchdown. We had um, a couple punts – a couple punts that uh, put him in – put him back quite a bit, and then we got them down, um, you know, in, in favorable field position a few times, um, you know, minus that Michael Badgley uh, field goal that – yeah. Um, you know, that he missed. But, you know, other than that, special teams is a big part of this. But but basically, when when you can look at the game and you can watch the whole game, like my, my point was when you can watch the whole game and go, the hell did we even win that? We didn't run the ball worth the shit. We didn't really pass the ball worth the shit. And we kind of let Zach – dude, Zach Wilson was lighting it up in the first half. So yep. it's like you're wondering, like, how the hell do we win this? And that is exactly the turning point. How the hell did I just win this game? But you did. I think you know I when think, things aren't going right. I think it comes down to man. Every team has games where they win games like this or they lose games like this. You know what I'm saying? Like the Dallas Cowboys just dealt with this today. You know they went to Jacksonville, a team that we kicked the shit out of at home. They go to they go to Jacksonville and they lose on a pick six. I mean sometimes you need to win 
ugly games on the road. Like you can't, you're not going to get every game like the, the, the Giants game. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to win some ugly games and you need all three facets of your football team to make plays. And what I've seen today from the Detroit Lions, man, defense made plays, special teams made plays. And when the offense needed to make plays, they made plays. And that's, that's all you could ask for. If you're a Lions fan, like it's just, that's, that's how it, that's how it has to go down. Yeah, man. I mean, the Jets defense is seriously no joke. Um, I mean, we saw that. Um, I want to say, so I, I will admit it. So I, I, I usually can admit when I'm wrong. I don't want, I don't know. I'd love to, but um, I was a big, like, I loved Zach Wilson at his pro day. And I'm like, damn, if the Lions can like somehow get Zach Wilson, he got a good arm. He's like fast. He's mobile. Uh, and that's where I see your point about being worried about getting a first round quarterback early. Cause man, is that guy ass like first half he did really well. And I was surprised, but as the game went on, bro, and especially in the third and fourth quarter, I seen him miss so many open throws. Garrett Wilson or Garrett Wilson literally like smacked his helmet and like, started cussing him out under his breath because his quarterback missed him wide open on, like, a 25-yard game. Then yeah. he missed Braxton Berrios on, like, a 30-yard game. Then he missed Elijah Moore on a 20-yard game. I'm like, holy shit, dude, you're we horrible. Were, we were pretty lucky we played um, Zach Wilson oh, today. God, because, bro. I mean, honestly, like, you know, what you said about the quarterback is, like, a lot of people don't realize this, but, like, you know, the one thing that people overestimate with these quarterbacks is their touch, you know what I'm saying? If you watched Zach Wilson in in college, kid looked he looked really good, but he his touch was totally out there. But he'd make these bomb ass throws on the move, and you'd be like, man, he looks like a a white Patrick Mahomes. And then he comes to the Jets, you know what I'm saying? The team that hasn't been historically good, just like the Lions, and the kid has never really been anything they th- thought he was gonna be. I mean, if the Jets and the Niners had a duo do over of that draft. I guarantee each one of them is not taking Lance and uh, Wilson. I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, if you, one of them's yeah. gonna, if one of them is gonna take quarterback, it's probably gonna be Justin Fields. I mean, I'm pretty. I I would be I would be confident now that maybe the 49ers would take Mac Jones because he's, yeah. he's he's not a bad quarterback, but like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are just meh. Well, and we and the Niners, dude. They uh, there was rumor they traded, were going to get back Jones. They could have waited until their pick, not mortgage their future, and got a guy who literally can dink and dunk his way around your offense and provide you that spark when you need it. Or imagine how um, imagine how yeah. sick imagine how sick the 49ers would be right now if they lined up Nick Bosa on one side and Michael Parsons on the other side. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean that's just. Uh, when you're in that little, when you're in, when you're drafting these guys, man, like especially quarterbacks, like people think like if you draft them early, like you're gonna get this, uh, you're gonna get this great player, but most of the time, like dude, it's like a it's like a thirty percent hit rate. Like, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is finally starting to find his game, but he was the number one overall pick. I mean, like there's not many guys like that you get like second, third overall that actually like look great, except if you're like that Herbert Tua draft. Yeah, I mean, and I understand that. And I was kind of arguing with the guys in the group chat a little bit earlier. It's not, you know, look, golf showed today why played with him, but he's not necessarily that guy to take right. you, you know, to 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 next level you. And I and I'm okay with that if we can win games, especially against a good defense like this. 
My only concern is, like I said, he because he always seems to play really, really, really good during contract years. Um, and so I just don't want him to be on this crazy high and outplay his talent level and his means. And then Brad Holmes is all of a sudden like, yeah, man, that's our guy, man. 40 million a year. It's not his contract here. Well, I know, but he, but basically we can get rid of him next year without any cap penalty. So you're kind of hoping. Uh, I've well, heard if, you got rid from, of this year, if you got rid of him this off season, it'd be a $10 million cap penalty. Cause I'm, I'm hearing from what I'm hearing. Um, if they did want to extend them, they would be starting the con- that would be starting that conversation as early as next off season. Um, yeah, next off season. Yeah. Next. Yep. So, well, yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, you know, so it's like, I don't hate the fact that he has really good command of the offense and we're rolling and we're winning. That's great. I just get a little worried, man, because we got these big deep threats. We got, we saw, we saw a miss on shark against um, the, the Miami game. Um yeah. And and we saw him miss some big against Patriots. We yeah. saw him miss Chark at as as an easy touchdown towards the sideline to win the game against the Bills. I I understand there's some controversy around the play call, but regardless, had him beat by three steps, missed him deep on that. Yeah. Um. You know, miss Reynolds, miss Reynolds a few times deep, uh, and then all of a sudden, like, um, you know, Jamison Williams. I understand they're not used to playing with each other, and I get that. I, you know, that was part of the counter arguments I was getting. Is you know he's not used to that speed. He hasn't had that speed since Brandon Cooks, but you know, you just get a little worried and you're like, man, are we going to have these crazy speed, fast, deep threats? And you're going to be like Tua in Miami and just under Chuck them by five or 10 yards every time. Like, you know, See, here, here's why I'm not really worried about uh, Jared Goff with these guys, because I don't really, you know, it's every quarterback is going to have an off game. Like that's just, that's just how it is. Like you're not, oh, yeah, no, for sure. your, your quarterback is never going to be, um, you know, perfect it this just doesn't happen i mean patrick mahomes today i mean the guy he almost lost houston which is a horrible freaking football team like at some point you got to make plays to win the game and today jared goff made those plays and that's all you can ask for if you're if you're a lions fan because listen i know people like the the mahomes the brady's and all that stuff but what happens is you got a guy like Jared Goff, and he makes the throws, and he's not perfect. Like he's more like a GG. He, he's more like listen, a. Listen, his short and intermediate throws are darts, dude. They are right. I mean, it's, it's like Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins. Like you take the good, you take more good with them than bad. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not gonna lose you a, a game unless they go in the tank, tank, which could happen because that happens to every quarterback. But they're not gonna. They're gonna win you more games than they lose. I think, right. like, you look around that at a foul, dude, and there's a lot of teams that would take a Jimmy Garoppolo. There was a lot of teams that would take a Kirk Cousins or a Jer- Jared Goff. Oh, I, I seen the Washington Commanders fans basically begging us for uh, us to trade them Goff this year. Like, dude, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people would take Jared Goff. Like, imagine being a Saints fan right now. You have Andy freaking right. Dalton. Hey, you have Andy right. Dalton as your is your uh, or the or the Colts or the Commanders or the, or... or the Colts the Commanders. I mean, you could even go maybe like um, you the can Jets. even go you can even go yeah the Jets the Cardinals. I mean, I don't think Kyler Murray is that great. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Kyler. I mean, they believe in him. No, that's why they gave him that amount of money. But well, they're they're so stupid because he's never gonna amount to that. Because that's another guy who like t- who was totally taken way above his his draft 
Oh, I've seen him make, dude. His throw, like his throws, his short throws, his, his decision making. I, I hate. I do not like Kyler Murray I whatsoever. Remember, I, I don't know if you remember that sense. game, that that playoff game last year against the Rams, where he, dude, that was probably the worst playoff game I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, and they the one thing, and the one thing you could say about in the last half of the year. Yeah, and the one thing you could say about Jared Goff, I know he lost that Super Bowl, but that was one of the best defensive Super Bowls in in recent memory. Right, but like he went to a Super Bowl. So, I mean, Jared, Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo went to Super Bowls. Kirk Cousins hasn't gone to the Super Bowl, thank God. Because Viking fans are insane. But, um, you know, like, he he has shown he can get a team to the ultimate pinnacle. I mean, obviously they didn't make the defensive plays to win that game, but it wasn't just because of Jared Goff. I mean, both quarterbacks threw interceptions, and one was the greatest uh, freaking quarterback of all time in that game. Right. No, and, and I'm not upset about that and I, and I like I said I don't um it, it's just for me it's like I think what you know how many guys can get their ceiling you know near Jared Goff without having to pay the money but I also saw someone else's point a lot of these younger kids that are coming out they're trying to traject their career so you know you do get a rookie you just get you do get a nice shiny rookie like somehow Bryce Young falls to you well in four years, you know, you're going to have to fork over probably, you know, $275 million. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I definitely see, you know, I definitely see the uh, the ups and downs, but, you know, it, it just, it just depends. I, I like, I, I like how the team's rolling right now. I'm not calling for a new guy. Um, I just you want people what? to take I think, note. I think, we, I, th- I think we should take it from a, 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 a safety that played in the league. It's one of the best safeties probably ever. I, th- I thought he was great with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Ryan Clark, he said it's about Jared Goff. He says, we have to start giving Jared Goff some praise. He's played some really good football th- during this last stretch of games for Detroit. Yeah, and he has. And, and I'm not and, – and that's like I said, I, I'm turning my mind on it. I just – I'm always like – I'm always thinking way harder in the future. And I'm just thinking the whole time I've always wanted to kind of reset the clock so we could just go – crazy on our defense and just build talent build talent but the same but the crazy thing is is brad holmes is changing my mind on that because that's usually the recipe for these you know flash in the pan teams right they get a quarterback on a rookie deal happens yeah. to pan out then they load up and spend 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 and their oh their windows only open for four years brad holmes seems like he's trying to build a, a sustainable winner a sustainable successful franchise and i mean dude that's like you don't need to go out and spend 60 70 80 million rebuilding your defense when you got when you get guys like james houston and malcolm rodriguez in the in the sixth round you oh, know, that's, like, that's exactly it though dude like i love it man it's it's the first time i've actually seen the lions be able to properly develop you know their their young talent i mean sure yeah you can say like oh there's plenty of great players well most of the great ones either came from a trade a uh a free agency signing or it was like a no-brainer home run pick like Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford, they were yeah. tops of their positions. But you're seeing no you're seeing guys, and we'll talk about this in another segment, but you're seeing guys like James Houston, you're seeing guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, Derek Burns, who didn't play today, like you're Jerry Jacobs, an undrafted free agent. Seatbelt gang, baby, seatbelt gang, let's go. Let's go. I mean, this is, dude, Brad Holmes is building a team that he knows can win in any, you know, situation. I think it's important because a lot of people – one of the things they get down on the um, they get down on teams on, on is like a team like the uh, the Dolphins, right? 
if their passing game isn't there, usually they're 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 done. So they really don't have a great run game. To, I mean, they yesterday they played pretty good, but for the most part, their run game doesn't get them enough. You know what I'm saying? And when their passing game isn't there, they're dead. They're just dead. But I think what Brad Holmes is trying to do is he's trying to build a team that's multi-dimensional, special teams, offense, defense, and that's exactly where they come from. And, uh, you know, Dan Campbell being a Bill Parcells, uh, you know, of that, that tree with Sean Payton, Sean Payton was the same way, special teams, defense, and we play good offense. Yeah, I mean, no, I uh, – you can tell that Dan Campbell has um, th- those kind of influences – Right. I mean, he's, um, you know, he was, you said, yeah, Bill Parcells, right? Yeah. Big, big. Um, yeah. Bill Parcells. Came down from the... Sean Payton's was his, uh, the guy. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and so that whole thing, man, is you can just tell like those, those, he's got, he's one of the only coaches that I've seen that are super like, like hard nosed and tough and Hey man, I will smack you in the effing mouth. You know, like if I need to, like, I'll get, I'll get up in your shit if I need to. But at the same time, he's like respectful and players adore and love him. So they not only respect this man as their, their, their leader who can lay a thumping on you, but they also like, like a love adore him and they play their heart out for him, man. And it's awesome to see. I remember people in the off season saying uh, that new Dan Campbell, like players from um, the New Orleans Saints and the Miami Dolphins are like, man, you're going to love it. Like you will run through a brick wall for this guy. Like he's going to, he, you're going to love him. I mean, even Sheldon Rankins, who played for the Jets today. I mean, even he said, "Like, yeah, I could see why they win in games with him because he's a, he's a good dude." And like, that's that's how you got to build things. I mean, you know, the best coaches in the league, dude. Like the Sean Paytons. You know, he, he used to be one of the best coaches. He's retired now, but like, you got like the Kyle Shanahan's and the. There's one thing that really stands apart from all those guys. They're really, really calm when it's about to get freaking nasty and hectic. You know what I'm saying? And that's the one thing I noticed about Dan Campbell the most is like when sh- when shit's going haywire, he's still like, okay, we could, you know, we're gonna just, you know, do this, we're gonna do this. He doesn't get, he doesn't get frazzled, you know. You seen it with Patricia, he get frazzled if, uh, you know, there was a a play that was by oh, yeah, panic mode. Yeah, panic mode. I mean, Caldwell, he'd be the opposite. He's he get too calm for it. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta find that good middle ground because not only are you the coach, you're you're the leader of that team, so you have to. You're, what you do, it, it's broadcasted throughout the team. Well, I, definitely, dude. I agree with you. I, I love – I mean, there's – you got a lot of great takes, and I love that we can always usually agree with each other for the most part and things. It makes it a lot easier because uh, you just see it. It just radiates from these guys. It radiates from the team. I was looking listening to somebody today in a, gr- in a group chat that we're in, and they're like, <laughs> well, I think Dan Campbell was um, a little too like conservative today. They almost lost the game. I'm like, man, that's kind of exactly how you need to play this game because they even said on the broadcast, like, he came out in the second or in the second half in the locker room. He told them, like, look, we we need to put the gas on and we need to like we need to pick it up and get this shit going, but also, like, don't make the big mistake. So yeah. like, you got to play this game kind of conservative, man, because this team, if you start getting really aggressive, that defense is no joke. I mean, Sauce can he'll pick off your favorite receiver. And they got a nasty D line, and they got a good secondary. I mean, I think they played this game exactly how they needed to. It was a great game plan. When you play defense like this, and and they're gonna play the Panthers next week, who they got some injuries, but they they have a good defense too. But I think the Lions should win that game because I think their offense is pretty. Ugh. But you know, 
whenever you play good defense, man, it's about just not making mistakes. Just playing the game in front of you and taking it as it goes. And, and you got to make the plays to win that game. Like, that's all it comes down to. When you play defenses like the Jets, like, they want you to make mistakes. The, the, the yeah, Lions, no, definitely. The Lions have for so long, dude, For the, in, this, in these past couple of weeks of where they the six out of seven that they've won, They've relied on teams making the mistakes, and they haven't made the mistakes. So it's great to see that they're they're kind of saying, okay, we're gonna play off our defense. If they're they're gonna get it rolling, and then the offense, you're not gonna make the mistake to give the other team the go ahead. You know what I'm saying? And you could see with Dan Campbell, like that field goal try that Michael Badgley. People were like, why do you why do you kick a field goal? Well, if he kicks a field goal, you only need a field goal to win. But if you miss it, it's a big, it's a big one. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. I, I felt like, I felt like that was Dan Campbell saying, "I have, I have confidence in my team can come back from this, even if they don't." Get and the and do you remember what I talked about a few day or a few weeks ago? I said I really want to see Dan Campbell because there's another instance where they were going to do that, right? Uh, I said I want to see Dan Campbell um, go out there. Get a kick with my field goal kicker and see what we can see what we can do. I trust your guy. He fudged off and get that one against uh, Minnesota where he trusts him. He comes out here and says, "Hey man, you know we want to get it to six. Um, you know, fifty-four out. Go for it. I don't, I don't hate that at all. I mean, sure you gave him field position just as much as you would have went for it, but that's hindsight because then you're playing your protect, you're playing you know protection against a touchdown versus just a field goal." Um, and I love that he went out and trusted this guy. And then, Bat, you know, Badgley, he was a little short, which is kind of surprising because I think he set for 59 or 60. Um, and he was short on a 54-yarder. But usually you expect guys with decent legs to hit those, you know, left or right. You don't expect to see it short too many times. But uh, I love the fact, like you said, they went out and trusted him. And um, we just – every time we got, like, bent over in some sort of facet, whether it was a, you know, big offensive drive from the Jets – or, you know, uh, a big third down stop from the Jets. It somehow seemed to be that we always found a way to bounce back and, and you know, let it be short-term memory. We would come back the next drive or the next play and just be fired right back up, man. So I, I loved it. They're not wallowing in their bullshit. I mean, you could tell the difference between the Jets and the Lions and their attitudes. Yeah, and I thought, I thought a big momentum kind of turn was when they the, – the first uh, time they went for the – on the fourth and goal – and they didn't get it. I thought that was a big time where, you know, a team could have just, you know, it was a momentum shift, but then they come back and they get the punt return touchdown. And they did a really good job the whole the whole way. I mean, they, they gave up that touchdown um, where, you know, they see they hit those two passes, those two long passes, breakdown coverage. But the yeah. Lions just, they, they continue to stay the course, stay the course. They had a bad second quarter. They got outscored 10-3, to but – they came out and they played a really good game. The rest I, of uh, I, I had one defining moment. I and um, I kind of touched on it earlier where we talked about it pre-show. I had, I had one defining moment where I knew that the Jets were were going to lose the game. Um, they were Zach Wilson's driving on the field. This is a this is an open Barrios, right? Mm-hmm. No big deal. They get a they get a nice little pickup. Uh, first down, and then they take a shot again, and they need they need yards. There's an important drive in the fourth in the fourth quarter, and he misses um, Garrett Wilson on an easy throw, right in the middle, about oh, 25 yard gain. 
Uh, Garrett Wilson sees it. He looks. He looks at Zach Wilson from down the field. Looks like he starts cussing. Takes his his straps, flings them down, and just like you know, punches the air. Gets super pissed off, and then w- takes his hamad off on the sideline, and then, you know, whips it up, whips it down. And that, I was like, and, th- and they were like, they're talking about that was frustration. He, there was no penalty. There was no even thought about it. There, that frustration was against the quarterback for missing an easy pass. And that's the defining moment I knew that the Jets were going to lose that game because they were starting to get really pissed off and really frustrated. And one thing that I love about this culture change and these players and Dan Campbell, you don't really, I mean, yeah, you see people that are passionate, but you don't really see people, you know, biting and going and turning against their guys and throwing shit and cussing each other out. I mean, they're brothers, they're united. Yeah. They, they may, they mess up and they lift each other up, but you're not seeing guys turn like they do on Zach Wilson. And I think that was the the moment. I think that was the changer right there. I knew from that, that moment, I was like, Lions are going to win. Well, I mean, look at it this way, dude. Like, um, you never have – we don't have a quarterback that goes out there and, and and says, like, yeah, it's not my fault we lost the game, blah, blah, blah. Like, whenever Jared Goff lost the game, he would always say, yeah, it's, it's my – I got to do better, blah, blah, blah. Zach Wilson straight up went out there and was like, yeah, I, I didn't do nothing to lose the game after just scoring three points in the game. Like, th- this team is built different than most teams. They're not going to give you – uh, you know, they're not going to beat each other up with the way that they, they talk to each other in the media or whatever. They're so closely tied together that I really don't He's think. awesome. That, I, I really don't think that they come out and, and they always play for each other. You know what I'm saying? You could tell that. Well, well the kind of guys they go after, they're not hotheads and divas. Like they're very, I think some people overlook, like sometimes in the draft, people are like, oh, we should have picked that guy. That was an obvious selection. But does he fit the culture? Does he fit the attitude? Does he fit the teammate mentality? Does he fit the embodiment of being part of a team? Yeah. You know, we, talk, we talked about before, Dan Campbell, he drafted all team captains. Well, Brad Holmes, I'm sorry. He drafted all t- uh, team captains last year. You know, like those are guys that that, that are leaders and, are, you know, iron sharpens iron and they're, and they're level-headed good guys, man. They do a lot of extensive interviews with these guys. And uh, it's just funny because <laughs> – um, I don't really know of many cultures in the NFL and I know it's probably because they're young and they're, there's not a lot to be frustrated about, you know, they're, they're, they're starting fresh and they're new and they're fun. Right. But I don't see, you don't see a lot of teams or locker rooms where you have that kind of, you know, unity and, and teammate play and, uh, you know, self-accountability and just picking each other up. Like the culture is like, you could be like, Oh, you could say new England, but you know, th- those guys are just kind of scared half the time because it's ran like a boot camp. Yeah. You know, you, you got all these, you got all these good bigger teams that kind of, you know, have these big egos that kind of get in the way. You know, uh, but it's it makes sense about some of the like how some of these these really successful teams are ran. You know, like um, you know Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, like they all have a really good teammate aspect, and and I think it's just one of the small things that you notice as a as a fan and as someone that covers the team is that like the foundation has been laid. Like I've never seen it before. I don't think, I, I don't know if any other teams or franchises or fan bases notice it and they talk about it. Uh, maybe we do just because it's brand new, but I just, it's such a visible and tangible change in how things are going and how things people are reacting and the attitude and positivity that's flushed into this organization. It's just never seen it as a lion's fan. Yeah. You know, you know, the funny thing about it is like, you, you're always here. Uh, coaches talk about how like they always want their players in like they always want their their players to pl- be so closely tied together that like nothing could break them. You know what I'm saying? 
I think Dan Campbell being a former player really helps that because like Bill Cowher had a, he did an interview with Dan Campbell and they hit on a lot of, a lot of stuff. And I'm going to post it on the uh, Detroit Lions news, but man, just the way that they kind of talked being former players, being coaches, you could tell that they have a lot in common, like the way that they run their freaking football teams, because Bill Coward did the same thing. Like he always wanted a gritty, tough football team, and that's what Pittsburgh was for years and still is. I mean, that's just the way it it goes. Yeah, and there's a and there's a fine line, man. There's a line between being demanding respect out of your guys um, because you've earned it versus thinking that you deserve it. You know, and Dan Campbell, he earns the respect of his guys, man, because. Not you know, like I said, he's not afraid to kind of jump your ass and keep you accountable, but it also treats you like you know a family member, man. He'll treat you like your little brother and and you know give you love and show you praise and joke with you, man. And and like just it's a big family feel. So you know you don't have to worry about like these other franchises where you know maybe this like Patricia he came in and he he demanded respect because I'm the coach, damn it, and I said so. You don't. That's not how you get respect for these guys, man. You show them that you love them and you care about them and you care about winning and that you're determined, you know, and and, and you're and you're passionate and and the rest falls into place. So, the foundation is laid and and these games are just a testament to it. Started one and six on the year, now we're seven and seven, and we're right in the thick of the playoff hunt, dude. Hey, you know what? You know what's when you look at this game, dude. Like I said from the minute it ended, I said this was a gritty win that Dan Campbell preaches, man. And that's exactly what it was, a gritty, um, tough win that, you know, listen, nothing really went perfect in this game. I don't think anybody could say anything went perfect in this game, offensively, defensively, special teams-wise. But they came out, and when they had to make plays, they made plays on the defensive side, on the special team side, on the offensive side. And that's all you can ask for. And that, that's, that's a testament to their head coach. Yeah, and I love uh, – sorry, I just was looking at Twitter. You got to love the uh, guys at Woodward switching like – switching up like they do. Um, well, that's their, that's what they they always do. Oh, it was it was F. Dan Campbell and fire him. He, could, he can't even coach a damn Wee team to – wow, so incredible. He, such a great job, Dan Campbell, 7-7, seven and seven, can't believe it. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's cool um, to just – to see the things like, dude, like I was not going to lie. You really helped pull me out of this and helped me see me believe after one and six, I'm, I'm opening up my segment of the pod talking about, you know, who are you going to take number one overall? <laughs> you know, right. and you're like, listen, man, we're still got to pass the, you know, eight, nine, 10 wins. And I'm like, I don't know, man, you know, and we're, it, it was crazy. I mean, I, I don't think anyone really believed, but the thing that I'm happy about I never turned my back on on the boy DC man. I thought he he's a good dude, and me and you both were on the same train of you fire a guy twenty games into his full rebuild and his whole staff and front office and system bought into this one guy, and you rip you can him. You'll never gain you'll never gain that level of trust again. No, I screw think, your franchise. I think people really, um, they really they they didn't think about it when it happened. They like. When they started one and six, I think people were like, "Oh, season's over, season's over," and I was like, "Man, I I could see them getting a seven, eight, nine wins." You know what I'm saying? I could still see that happening because they're so close in these games. Well, now they're finishing them, those these games, dude. Like this wasn't a game that they won when they were one and six. 
You know, I right. think I think Dan Campbell said that after the game. He said, you know, like if we were one and six, this is not a game we would we would have we would have won. But they're a different. It's a different team now. Well, oh, and I love that. And then someone asked him something about the Vikings last uh, last week when they played. Um, and he goes, uh, they they say something about the Vikings and how they beat them the first time. How are you gonna match up to the second time? Blah, blah. He goes, I don't give a shit. We were one and six then. It's irrelevant. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I like the way he turns the page and says, "Listen, we're just gonna keep it going." And that's that's one of the things that makes Dan Campbell a good coach for any players because they that's that's their leader saying, "You know, listen, well, like I don't give a shit about that." Well, what, what's funny? What, what's funny? Who who are they saying? Hey, I wish we would have hired Robert Sala instead. I wish we would have hired uh, Brian uh, Brian Dable instead. Guess what? We went to their house both times and beat them. Yeah, and Robert C went into their house and beat them. He must Robert, have took that and, shit personal. And Robert Salah had one of the biggest coaching gaps I've ever seen in my entire life today. Like literally one of the worst coaching gaps I've ever seen in my entire life. He yeah. didn't even he didn't use his timeouts at the end of the game. I know. I don't know what I don't know what like coaches they think they can stack them shits up or what, but I don't know, man. Uh, you, they, don't, they don't carry over. They're not cell phone minutes, you know. They're like <laughs> right. what the hell, dude? Like even like uh, Boomer Esiason on a CBS uh, uh, post game show or whatever, he's like, "What the hell is he using? What is he waiting for? Like, you use him." Yep, and I think, um, you know, that's where like Dan Campbell's really growing. He's growing in his talk management and his game management, and it's just funny because so many like because every fan base did you know they have that group of they're, they're Fairweather fans because when they get that. When shit gets tough, there's always a group of guys that are, oh, F this, fire the coach, sell the team, trade the quarterback, you know, whatever, right? And uh, it's always funny because, yeah, well, you know, if we would have just hired Brian Dable, I mean, look, he knows how to coach a football team. Uh, if we just hired Robert Sala, he knows how to coach a football team. But, yeah, you know what's funny is we were six and one and six and we played the Giants, and they were – or maybe two and two and six, and they were seven and two. Yeah. And uh, now we're seven and seven, and they're seven and five and one, and they play tonight. Yeah, and they're, um, they're so, going to lose the Washington tonight. And Robert Sala is now seven and seven, and Dan Campbell's now seven and seven. So you can't just take the first six weeks and try to match these guys up because the Lions were in a much worse position when they started. Yeah, well, for and sure. And they're coaching these guys up fantastically, man. Um, and, and speaking of that, if you want to use that to roll into the segment talking about. Well, James before, Houston, be, man. before we go into that segment, um, I'm going to tell something a lot of people don't know, and it hasn't been echoed to anybody. But so it was under my understanding for, at the at the end of the one and six, which was that was the Miami game, I, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was the one and six game uh, where they just went to one and six. I think I was told that uh, Dan Campbell had a talk with Sean Payton, and Sean Payton literally told them to stop being taking stuff so seriously like just be smart about it be like you're a player again because if you go and you try to be like a coach and try to overanalyze every critical situation you're going to end up killing yourself just play yeah. just just make the right calls when you need to make the calls and, and go with your gut don't go with your no, don't go with what analytics tell you to go with your gut. Like if you need to take a timeout, take a timeout. And you've seen him doing that today. I mean, going into that final two minutes, he took 
most of his timeouts because he's like, listen, we don't got the right look on the field. Let's take a timeout. He went with that field goal because he thought if they get that field goal, that's a that's six points and you're making the Jets try the field. Obviously, that didn't, didn't work, but he was confident the Lions offense could score and get back in the game, and, and they did. I mean, he just he, – every little blip, he made great calls. Yeah, I mean, dude, you've – you know, well, we talked about that too. We said it looked like, you know, we looked like John, um, Dan Campbell had to talk with Sean Payton. We were talking about that at that week. And um, th- there's a difference in trying to let your teams lead you and just kind of carry you. Um, like, you know, Zach Taylor, he's a pretty, he's a pretty good young coach for the Bengals, but I mean, okay, man. Yeah. And back to back years, you got, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and you know you, your GM spent eighty-five million dollars on a new O line for you. Yep. I mean, like, you know, it doesn't doesn't take a ton of coaching. I mean, still props to him for getting that young team to the Super Bowl. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, it, it, but it's it not also... like we're in the same position, man. We didn't have a Joe Burrow and a Jamar Chase and no. a, a brand new O line. I mean, no, I mean it, it's 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 you know when you get a quarterback like Joe Burrow, that's a cheat code. It really is. Like that's like your bread yeah, and butter. That's what everybody like, wants, man. They're a franchise guy. And there's only so many quarterbacks that are going to be like Joe Burrow. You know what I'm saying? So I was really impressed with the way that uh, – I was really impressed with the way uh, Dan Campbell has got this team ready to go and the way that they played. And we're going to get into the next segment. Um, but, uh, man, just a great game for the, the Lions in this in this, in this uh, game against the Jets. So we'll get into the next segment. And um, – Join us in the next segment as we talk about an unfamiliar guy who's turning into a star. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it! Welcome back to Detroit Lions News. I'm your host, Joe Chap, along with Tyler. And Tyler, we got to talk about your boy, James Frickin' Houston. The problem, baby. Oh, Houston, man. we have a problem. That guy is insane, bro. I, uh, he's getting a little aroused guys. Get a little, dude, dude, I, I love him, man. I love watching him play. He, he's still every week. He shows that elite bend and dip and he's that, he's that crazy, like tweener size. It's like, I feel like it's making, making its way back into the NFL. I feel like for a long time there was like tweener. You never wanted a tweener, you know what I mean? Like ever. And then you guys had guys that kind of like, kind of changed that idea. Right. You had guys like, uh, like Bobby Wagner, who was kind of like small for a middle linebacker, but kind of too big for a corner. You had uh, Brandon Bowman, or um, yeah, Brandon Bowman, Legion of Boom, right? Or yeah, Brandon Brown, um, Brown, Brown, and yeah, he, you know, six four, two hundred, you know, twenty five pounds, two hundred thirty pound corner, right? So there's these these guys that kind of fit the anomaly, and then they kind of started to go away, and they wanted guys with you know more, you know, uh, certain size in certain areas, and. So we went and got Malcolm Rodriguez, an undersized linebacker who's absolutely killing it. And then we went and got an undersized DN pass rusher who just has a knack for the ball. And sometimes you just need a guy that has a knack for the ball and can get to the quarterback. I mean, James Houston's two, uh, six, four, about 245. Yeah, 240. Um, so he's, yeah, so he's not, he's not big. You know, yeah. he's, he's 20 pounds heavier than, you know, he's 20 pounds heavier than Jared Goff, same, same height. And this guy, you know, you got this guy going up against these, these behemoths, but he's, he's, Got this crazy way of getting to the ball, man. He, like I said, he's got a really elite dip and bend. And um, you compared him I to mean, you compared him off to, the board. You compared him to certain All Pro, 
And like today when I was watching the game, that really popped off the screen at me because there was, it, right? a, there was a couple plays, bro, where this guy, he made this incredible way to get to the quarterback. He had three quarterback hits today. Like he absolutely was just, he was, he was so disruptive. Him and uh, Aquara, Romeo. Welcome back, Romeo. Great to Aquara. see him back, dude. It's great to see him. He definitely, he definitely adds something to that defensive line, and especially like a day like today where they pretty much clamped well, up Hutchinson. No, today was a day they needed. Uh, they needed uh, Romeo because Hutchinson was under the weather all the week, and I can yeah. tell you from being under the weather that um, there's no way you're going from being under the weather. I mean, you could you could flew it up and all that stuff, but you're still not 100. percent Ian Hutchinson wasn't 100. percent We could see that very well, but it's great to have a guy like Romeo Okwara come back, gets two sacks, four tackles, like just all over the field, two tackles for loss. Guy, guy with, we needed Romeo Okwara back. Yeah, that was awesome, man. And and yeah, as far as James Houston goes, dude. Um... Young Von Miller, man. I keep telling people, young Young Von, man. That's my new nickname for him, James Young Von Houston, bro. That one, <laughs> that one play, dude. He made on um, it's I forget, I forget the tackle's name, but um, well, I'm not gonna know their tackle name because they've had so many tackles. But um, he made this one play where it was a third and a critical third. Are you talking about today? Yeah, he made a critical. It was a critical third down. Zach Wilson was in the pocket and he just collapsed the pocket. He. He like he went under the tackle's arms and just got in on them, and I was like, "Wow, that's freaking that's that's like you can't teach that. That's that just." And Deion Sanders named him the problem. He is officially a problem. He's got five sacks and five and five. Oh, yeah. games, dude. I think I think it was uh, um, Dwayne Brown, um, yeah. the left tackle that came from Seattle. Yeah, um, because I believe he lands over on that side. But yeah, dude, he just he has a way of get bending his body and getting low and, and it's the quick dip, man. Like we talked about a lot last week, he's got the, 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 the tackles got their arms up, right? They got their arms up. They're trying to block. And James Houston comes up, he's squared up with them, gives them a move, whatever. And then boom, dip right there, shoulder under the hand. And as soon as that shoulder dips below the arm of the offensive tackle, it's a game over. And, and he had, like, like I said, he had three or four pressure or three quarterback hits. I think he had five pressures uh, and a sack. And, He's still not an every down an every down player. Um, they truly found a pass rush specialist in the late late rounds, and I am a huge 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 fan of James Houston. Um, I'm getting his jersey. Man, you know James <laughs> Houston. It's it's like James Houston is a real problem, and I. It's funny because I think a lot of people didn't really think that he'd be this big of a you know guy that would contribute this early, but man, he is becoming one of the Lions like. He's one of those trinket players that you need on a roster that just gets to the quarterback. Kind of like um Kerry Hyder or Cliff Averill. I mean those guys yeah, do, no, definitely. They, just, they just get to they get to the passer and when you need a guy like Aiden Hutchinson to take a breath or Romeo or um when Charles Harris comes in, maybe he, he takes a breath. Like, you know, it that's this this is what we're talking about, dude. Like Brad Holmes has put this roster together. He's got a lot of young guys playing at high levels. I mean, Jerry Jacobs is an undrafted free agent. He's probably our best cover corner, yeah, in my opinion. And then you got you know Rodriguez, and you got Houston, and you got Ali McNeil and Hutchinson and Kirby Joseph, and a guy he signed, Deshaun Elliott. Like they just make I need plays, dude. 
Hell yeah, dude. And I'm happy that you mentioned those young guys and they're getting their work, but there's one guy I got to give his flowers to real quick, bro. I got to give him his flowers, man. Freaking Isaiah Bugs, dude. Yeah, was that Isaiah... guy has, man, he's turning into something for us. Yeah, I mean, Bugs, you know, he came from Pittsburgh. You know, he was with Pittsburgh and all that stuff. And early on, he was really struggling. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the same player. But, man, he is turning into – he's really – him and Lee McNeil have some chemistry now because they're starting to do some stunts where they're really screwing up these uh, offensive lines. And that's where the guys like Hutchinson – and Houston are coming into the fold because they're athletic enough that they can do stunts too. And they're, it's just, it's, if you're an offensive lineman going against this defensive line, like you're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta really zone in on these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to see that like there's guys. And and like I said, and I don't ever, and I, when I say this stuff guys too, I don't ever mean to like be um, like disrespectful or say that you guys aren't watching the game the same way we are. But when I say, like, when I started doing the pod, I, I start watching, like, certain position groups or certain things, uh, especially if I go back over and rewatch the game. I start really trying to pick up on these little things, right? You start watching certain position groups and, and what they do and what kind of ha- impact they have off the ball and stuff like that. And, it, and when you start to notice that kind of stuff, it's really interesting. And I was watching today. I was studying a lot of the defensive line. Um, and because uh, on commercials, I like to rewind and kind of watch the previous drive when I can. Yeah. And – um. Something that Ali McDaniel and Isaiah Bugs uh, and Josh Pascal even uh, do is they they may not always show up in the stat sheet, but they're doing enough in that inside of that line, and it's freeing up other guys, and it's really helping our pass rush. Whether it's creating a hole for a rushing linebacker, or it's helping take a one-on-one off the edges so they can get to the quarterback, or it's collapsing the pocket on a run or pass play. Those guys are doing a lot to really shift the momentum of the offensive line, and that's a really good sign. Yeah, you know, like Lee McNeil doesn't show up in the stat sheet a lot, but he's always causing havoc. I'm telling you, if if the if the Rams keep losing and we get a chance at Jalen Carter, you have to draft that guy God. because he would open up so many freaking things for this this defense, man. Like, imagine Isaiah Bugs coming off the bench and like they're just rotating defensive tackles that are heavy as shit and athletic. Like, that's what this team is really building towards. And to see what Isaiah Bugs has been doing this year, I mean, this is his best statistical year as a pro. He was drafted in 2019. He's been – this is his best statistical year as a pro, and he's playing out of his mind, and it's good to have him next to Lee McNeil. Yeah, and you, and if you do get lucky and get Jalen Carter, um, listen, right? I'm going to even say – I'm going to say Jalen Carter or Will Anderson because hopefully if the Rams went out, we would be in contention for either. Um. But because I hear Jalen Carter is very popular at the at even at the one and two spot, also I heard I heard a, a rumor that Houston could go for Will Anderson or Jalen Carter and tank one more year to get Caleb Williams. Oh, well, that that, makes um, sense. that would make sense because yeah, quarterbacks are not good. So so if we but if we get a chance right and we're able to get somebody like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, you're not going to double team Aiden Hutchinson, Jalen Carter. James Houston and Lynn McNeil in the same play, you don't have enough guys. No. You know what I mean? Like you said, it, it's going to open up a ton because, sure, you can throw two bodies at Aiden and you can throw two bodies at Jalen Carter, but that means you got four linemen occupying two guys. So either someone's smacking you up the middle or we got a guy like James Houston who's 
you know, on a stunt on the outside edge, you know, didn't blow that tackle with those guys clogging up, you know, the center and guards and, and right tackle. And what are you going to do now? You know what I mean? That opens up a lot of one-on-ones for Aiden. I think whenever I see Aiden in one-on-one, especially from that two-tech stance, good good luck. He, he, he'll dominate you one-on-one for the most part. Um, it's when he starts getting double and triple teamed because we don't have that strong – you know, of a presence uh, everywhere in the line, that's when it starts to get tough. But there ain't no way in hell you're in a double team, uh, Jalen Carter or, or Will Anderson um, and Aiden Hutchinson, and still have room to block the rest of that defensive line. It's just, it's going to help a ton. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, dude. Like, I think that any way you go, I mean, Brent Holmes is going to have a, a variety of ways to go in this draft, and I think that he's going to nail it again because he usually does. He's going to find a stud to put in that defense. I think he's going to find two in that first round. And I think that he's going to build that team just like the, just like he, he wants to build a team that's tough and physical. And if Jalen Carter comes in, in in that Lions pick, dude, that's such a Dan Campbell-type player, guy oh who's God. gritty, who's, he was a freak athlete. I mean, even Will Anderson is another guy who would be a, a Dan Campbell-type uh, guy. I'm getting so excited because imagine – you know, and uh, j- just imagine this defense. Who's who's our some of our shittiest guys, right? Will Harris, boom, right? Yeah. Say you say you right now. You replace whatever mid-level, you know, defensive tackle. Say you replace Isaiah Bugs, and and he. By the way, that means he replaces the the next guy who is a you know like a Benito Jones. He becomes that. So no, we don't now. We don't need Benito Jones. Um, but say you replace Isaiah Bugs with Jalen Carter. Yep. Say you replace Will Harris with Joey Porter Jr. And, you know, you replace a linebacker spot, whether it's Anzalone or it's Derek Barnes uh, or Chris Board. You know, we have a we have a, an area for a linebacker in there. Yeah. Say you replace a linebacker with a Jack Campbell from Iowa or a Noah Sewell from Oregon. Yep. Um damn dude you just you just did addition by subtraction and not only did you minus three players that you know are definitely replaceable and when i say isaiah bugs being replaced i mean he'll go down to the second unit yeah, oh so yeah, like some sure. of those no-name guys will get kicked out but uh you know so you're, you you get jalen carter um and then you replace will harris and you replace um you know chris board or Derek barnes or um you know split time with anzalone whatever um because I, I do think there's room for anzalone on this defense that now that the, the year is progressing um, I just don't know if you want him to quarterback your, you know, middle of the field, but there's room for him. Yeah. Um, no, no, but yeah, I, you, know, I think, you replace I think, those guys and get some bangers, man. Let's fucking go, dude. I, I think Alex Anzalone has earned a spot in this team because not only – I think he, so too, man. Not only is he – Which is uh, crazy because I hate Anzalone most, most of the I mean, year. You, everyone can say that, you know, he's not always the most, um, you know, um, con- consistent player, but he is one of the the – He's one of the guys. Oh, that, he's a like, good leader too. Yeah, when Dan Campbell puts together and Brad Holmes put together his team, they it was a good idea to put Alex Anzalone. He knew he was gonna try his ass off, and and he, this was a guy who started for the Jets. I mean, for the I mean for the Saints for quite some time, you know. Yeah, well, I think until think Demar about... until Demario Davis came in there and said, "No, nah, this is my spot, bro." Right, and you know, you take. Well, I always said too. Some of these guys now, Will Harris, he that dude can like take a bus to 
the end of. I mean, even Will Harris, like even even Will Harris, bro, like Will Harris, he plays tight ends pretty damn good, and that was one of the things that we we missed last week. Well, say say this though, you were say you replace you know you replace Will Harris on the field, you replace you know uh, what AJ Parker did, you replace um, you know Mike Hughes. And, and and you know all of a sudden now say Jeff Okuda is your your CB two and you go get jo- you know Joey Porter Jr. to be your kind of your CB one or um uh Cam Cam Smith Cam yeah Cam uh, Smith yeah uh, yeah Cam Smith or you get like a um you know Eli Ricks or you know yeah yeah uh, I mean we, that's how it's, it, it it doesn't matter how you go about it you're still gonna you're but still you gonna get, but you get one of those young but you get one of those young guys to be your QB one and then you get all of a sudden you got you know um Jeff Okuda as your QB two I was thinking of Keely Ringo too you get one of those guys to be your CB one and develop into your CB one and you let Jeff be your CB two uh and and dude now you're cooking you know what now instead of Will Harris being your CB two or Mike Hughes being your CB two you got Jeff, who's looked, who's had a bounce back. Yeah, year, it, does, really it doesn't well. really, like I said, doesn't really matter how you put it together. It just matters that you get the guys. And I think that Brad Holmes is going to. Doesn't matter what round it's in. Doesn't matter what. Brad Holmes has proven that he could draft whatever the hell he wants at any time, and he's going to get yeah. impact out of those guys. Well, and and Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers, Matthew Stafford, Jamie Collins, um, and Big V. Well, he's still on the books, but those guys will all fall off the books. Uh, after this off season, and then, um, and Hawkinson, he'll be, he'll fall off as well from uh, depending on what the Vikings do with his contract. Um, but then you got guys, um, you know, now you're going to have some cap space, right? So not only are you going to take this team who's came through and put you at a seven seven record and is just fighting for hell to get you where you want to be, right? But now because you're playing with that, you're now a free agent attraction. Now we're going to enter next year with you know fifty, sixty, seventy million. And, you know, outside of that, now we're going to have a whole draft worth of draft picks with six picks in the top 75. Yeah. We're coming. We're no, coming, I... dude. We both said it year – we both said multiple times, year three is the year. When year three rolls around, you better buckle your damn seatbelt, bro, because it's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah, and here's the thing you got to know. For You know, one of the things I was reading on Twitter um, – was like if this was I this is my exact thought for my entire life the Lions have lost that game to that they play today and they won it so that's all that's really all that matters and we can look towards the future but we got the present in front of us and it's pretty damn good right now. Yeah, man. I um, like I said, even even if you told me, oh, the draft's canceled next year and free agency's canceled next year, we got to run it back with these guys. I would be happy as hell with that still. Well, let's not go that far, but <laughs> I, I like, you know what I'm saying though? Like if someone, if basically if some of these guys had to, to, you know, um, improve and develop and we just said, basically we got to run it back. We're winning games right now. So yes, there's definitely positions I'd like to upgrade. Definitely not bullshitting you there, but we've shown this year that we can win with that little of town that we have on both side or on the defensive side of the ball. So you couple up, you know, eight more draft picks, six being in the top 75. And you couple that on top of, you know, $50, $50 million in cap space. Uh, this is going to get wild, man. It's, it's yeah. our time, baby. We it's still we still got some time this season, but, man, it, the future's looking good for the Lions and the present's well, looking good for the Lions, too. Well, the Vikings, dude, they look like frauds, right? They've, they're, well, I, t- they're... I, told every, I told everyone the Vikings are f- freaking frauds, dude. They're complete f- utter frauds. 
And all these Viking fans that are in the Detroit Lions news mentions, those freaking idiots, they could screw off too because I hope we get their ass in the playoffs. Well, look, man, we got the, the the Vikings who are definitely frauds. Yeah, they they look like crap most of the time. They're like, what, eight, eight and one and like five one-score games? You can't just – you can't ride all the way to the Super Bowl in one score game. It's not going to work. How you? you just they got, they're getting you outscored. Come, by the way, I heard you don't come back from thirty-three nothing because you don't you played a good team. Like that's like ridiculous, dude. Like I, Jeff Saturday should be fired for that shit yesterday. That was yeah, ridiculous, like, dude. I, I'm a Colts guy too. That's my second team. Like, um, so man, they're they're total. That's they're tough total. to watch, dude. That was that was ridiculous. Well, they did what Jim Ears say he screwed them because instead of their window opening and them getting a franchise a, like a rookie quarterback or getting someone to at a high level through a trade, what they did is they went out and got the cheapest, oldest, shittiest version of whoever they could find, like Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, thinking that these guys could lead this team that's a quarterback away to the promised land, and it's just turned into a boneyard for freaking old quarterbacks where they go to die. That's why I, that's why I said what I said earlier in the season, uh, Tyler is uh, when you have a quarterback, you just don't you just don't uh, think that there's a better option out there. There could be a better option out there, cool, uh, but it's you've you've seen it with the with the um, with the Colts. I mean, they got rid of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz wasn't great, but he's a lot be- he's 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 a lot better than Matt Ryan is right now. Yep, exactly. I um. Yeah, man, I'm really excited. I mean, this is yeah, it's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun time, man. They go to they go to Carolina uh, to play the Panthers Saturday. That'll be a pr- pretty good game on Christmas Eve, and hopefully the Lions can win that football game. It's a good defense on the road. We'll have your we'll have your uh, pregame wrap uh, ramp up to that game. Probably do our post game. Uh, probably do our post game later that. After Christmas, probably. But what a great win for the Detroit Lions today! They really showed. Every win is a lesson in the NFL, and the Red Wings. I mean, the the Lions have showed that they can win an ugly game against a top five te- team on uh, defense on the road, and you couldn't always say that against Lions teams in the past. You know, you really couldn't. Um, there's a lot of Lions teams that would have folded. Dan Campbell has kept this team together. They've won six out of seven. They've they're six and one in their last seven games. Or seven and seven, five hundred for the first time since Caldwell. I mean, this is this is this is a good Detroit Lions football team. And they're really showing how good this team can be uh moving forward. And it's a hell of a turnaround by Dan Campbell and his squad. And um you really can't you really can't say much more. Oh. No, I said, I don't know where I cut off. It don't matter. I, w- I was telling people that we're, we're probably going to do our uh, our, our um, pre- uh, uh, Carolina Lions preview probably early, later this week, too. Yeah. Well, what I was saying is, is basically, I said, I know we talk a lot, a lot of the same things. I don't know if you heard me saying that. You know, we bring up a lot of the same stuff, whether it's, you know, um, Direction of the team, coaching, perseverance, grit. We bring up a lot of the same players. There's a reason for that. And there's because um, it, it's, it's a good thing that we keep talking about that because they're bright spots in the team. And, you know, the Lions, man, they've been a lot of the laughing stock for the National Football League for years. And we're getting so much national love and national attention. 
ESPN, Sports Center, um, Robert Griffin, a lot of these, um, you know, ESPN anchors and analysts and, you know, these online media personalities. And I'm not saying that we need it because Detroit's never needed that validation, but it feels good to finally get some damn respect. And it, 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 we can we we talk about how we see it see that as different, you know, going to games, going to training camps, going to practices, see it in the players. We interview former players. We do this and that. We see the difference there. But when you know the rest of the uh, the rest of the nation sees it, and the players see it, and the coaches see it, and the people that study this shit see it, man, it feels pretty good, man. From going from the laughing stock of the NFL to being a young team that's on the rise, that's literally forcing respect out of these teams every single freaking week, man. It uh, feels special and it feels good. And it's really good to be on the other end of it for once. Yeah. And I think that this is the biggest, this is the best that the Lions have played in, in years. And I'm, I'm very excited for it because they have showed exactly what I thought they would um, at, at the one and six start. I thought they would show some fight and they've showed more than fight. They showed that they're, they're actually a really good football team that is actually showing out pretty good. And, um, Listen, if you're a Lions fan, this you got to take a lot of um, you have to take a lot out of this, man. This has been great for the Detroit Lions, like the way that they've been winning. Um, just think about this: Jared Goff has turned turned the ball over zero times in the past six weeks, and the Lions defense has forced nine turnovers in that time. That's that's exactly what you want from a football team, and that's exactly what you want from Jared Goff. He's doing everything you could ask for. And um, Tyler, any closing comments for you? Man, Dan Campbell told us in the end of Hard Knocks, 2022 Lions are the team that can and will. And every single week, man, we're believing a little bit more. Um, I think as fans, dude, we got to remember that we got to still be patient. This team is still young. But it's okay to be excited. And uh, it's okay to, to, to be happy about this shit, man. And um, what a great time to be a fan. And this just shows that this get this group of guys from the coaching staff down to the players – we really can um, overcome anything we want to. And, um, you know, these guys are making the most out of their second chances. And uh, I think this is the beginning of something really special and we all get to see it firsthand. So I'm really positive about it. And I hope you guys are too. And just stay patient, ride the course, and let's really let's enjoy this, man. It's it's a great time to be a fan. Yeah, see, my closing comments is a little bit different, but – um. You know, I told I, when we lost you for a minute, I was like, you know, the Lions did something that I, I didn't expect they would do. You know, every time, you know, you would think that they, this would be a game that they would lose because they didn't have everything rolling. They came back and they won that game. That's all that matters with this team because they're playing good football. They're making the right reads. They're, they're do, playing the right way. And you just love to see the way that they're playing. It's 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 a, simply a turnaround uh it's a simp it's unreal turnaround that they've had. It's a it's resiliency. Just you can't even fathom how good of a turnaround this has been from the start of the season. And the way that the Lions are playing right now, going into Carolina, going to play the Bears at home in the last playoff uh, last game of the of the Ford Field. Uh, you just gotta love what the position that they're in because they go they these three teams that they got up they should be a, a be able to beat because they're the better team. And um this Jets game, this was the one game I worried about for the in the last four, and this is and they and they won the game in a tough, gritty fashion, and that's all that matters. Hell yeah, dude! Um, 
I'm lost for words on this interest one. I mean, this was the biggest test that we had coming, um, I think, for the rest of the year. Um, and I think that as long as we keep our heads level and we don't, you know, take any of these teams lightly, we got a good shot, man. So let's keep it going, man. Let's keep it riding and let's uh, let's keep the shit up. We'll see how it goes, but man, this has been a great podcast, and uh, we'll put this up, and uh, we'll have our Carolina Detroit preview probably er- earlier this week, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. But uh, great podcast as usual, Tyler, and um, we'll see you guys uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. All right, man, take these guys. All right, see you guys on another episode of Detroit Lions News podcast. We'll, we'll see you guys in Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we uh, do it. And um. Man, what a great win for the Detroit Lions today. This is um not a podcast I expected at the one and six at the one and six portion, but man, this is this is pretty freaking great. We will see you guys Tuesday and Wednesday. See you.